can be seated. Boy, it's so good to have you here today on this Father's Day. Glad to have you dads here and, and you guys here. If you're not a dad, still glad to have all the guys here. I want to remind you in two weeks, we're going to have our, um, a special part of our service is going to be called Salute to Service. And I want to invite you to, uh, to reach out to all the folks that you know who are serving in the military presently or who have served in the military in the past. Uh, a lot of times, the people who sacrifice and give the most, we tend to... Um, we tend to overlook or forget about. So we don't want to do that. So in two weeks, we're going to have one service at 1030. Both services will be together. There won't be any life groups that day. And we're going to have a special time in that service. we got something really neat planned. It would be uh, very encouraging to those who've served uh, or to their families. And so I just want to encourage you to invite. This is a great time to invite people who uh, don't have a church family or church home. Uh, and it will give us a great way to encourage them and minister to them. So it would be a really neat day uh, for you to do that. So two weeks, one service, 1030. Uh, invite, invite those that you think that would apply to. And it will be a really, really awesome day together. Now today, we want to celebrate dads. How many of you, how many of you are dads? How many of you are dads? Let's look around for a minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. Good to have you here today. Glad you're here. Hard to go to the lake when it's raining. Appreciate you coming today. It's a good thing. Don't want to golf in the lightning. Glad you came. Good to have you. Uh, we've got, I've got a special way that I want to honor you today. Um, and so if you're not from the South, you're not going to understand some of, of what's about to happen. Okay, I just want to go ahead and tell you that. Because what we're going to do is show our appreciation to our dads, but we're also going to do it kind of in a fun way. How many of you like to barbecue? You like to grill out, right? Yeah, not, not. There's some vegetarians in the South. Uh, less vegetarian males in the South, uh, but so you know if you're not a veg if you are a vegetarian and you're a guy, you know sorry, uh, <laughs> too bad. You know you celebrate and have fun with us. But here's what I'm going to do: uh, we're going to give every guy in the room, dad or not, doesn't matter, doesn't matter your age. If you're male, we've got a special gift that we want to give you today, uh, just for coming. It is a um, beef stick, and so we're going to give you. For coming, just for coming today, hey, wait, wait, before we start, before we start, a couple things. I would appreciate it so much if you didn't open it, because this is going to smell like a meat factory if you do. So just, just FYI, and, uh, and if you do, we'll just ask you to raise your hand and everybody will look at you, all right? So uh, if you'll save it, save it for later. We don't have any celery sticks or anything, so sorry for those of you vegetarians. Uh, number two... I wonder how many of you, um, I, I want to give a special gift to one dad. I have in my pocket a Jim and Nick's gift card. Not bad, not bad, okay. So this is a gift card to Jim and Nick's, and uh, it's a gift card for a meal there, enough for you and, and somebody else. If you want to take, you know, one of your kids, if you want to take your wife, whatever you want to do. But I want to give this away to one dad. Here's how we're going to do it. I want to give it away to the dad who has grilled the craziest thing. So here's how we're going to do this. How many of you dads have grilled something crazy? Come on. One. It's the South. How many of you grill something crazy? Come on. Not a family pet. I'm not talking about that. You grill something crazy. Come on. Come on, lift your hand. Okay, all right. Here's what we're going to do. I've got a special song that we're going to play on the screen just in honor of Father's Day and grilling, well, let's face it, in honor of meat. We're just going to honor meat. All right, that's what we're going to do. We're going to honor protein. And as we do that, our ushers are going to hand out a beef stick to all males. But if you've, if you've grilled something crazy, I want you to come and tell me what it is. You don't have to tell anybody else. The microphone's going to be off. But I want you, while the song's on, I want you to come and tell me what it is. And if it's crazy enough, I'm going to give you the card. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to stay. You ready? All right, here we go. Play the song. Come on, guys. Hand out the hand out the stuff. All right, come on. I need somebody to grill something crazy. Here, here's the barbecue song. Come on, Bob. Bob will start. In the mountains of Tennessee, they like the smoky sauce. But over there in old Memphis, a dry rub rib is boss. The folks down in Georgia, they can't make up their mind. You can give it to them sweet or spicy. They'll say that 
taste alright And you might think the South Carolinians Are just a little bit off Would you believe their barbecue's yellow With a mustard sauce Pork shoulder is the cut of choice In Mississippi, Mississippi And they pride themselves on barbecue That's totally vinegary In Louisiana, them Cajuns They like to spice it up They like to spice it up this is our review of barbecue in the southern United States. And when my life is through, bury me in barbecue. But make sure it's vinegar based, cause you know that slows the game. And this is out from our home state of North Carolina. Arkansas kind of like Georgia, a barbecue melting pot. And when you ain't looking, them good old boys will make that barbecue hot. Alabama's got the strangest thing I've seen in my barbecue days. Cause their barbecue sauce is white, made out of mayonnaise. And down in Texas, where the longhorns steer on free, they love to smoke their brisket, that's a big old slab of meat. Guys, come here, come here, come here. All right, you're gonna, you're gonna help me. I'm not, I'm not gonna pick. You're gonna pick. So they're gonna be mad at you if we, we don't get it. So we're gonna pick who you think grilled the craziest thing. Right here, I put our hand over the head. You gotta clap for him. This is pizza. With meat on it. He said with meat on it. Yeah. Rattlesnake. Oh, that's pretty good. All right. Rabbit. Shark. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. You, you guys can sit. I think it's between these two right here. We got to figure this out. Come here, Ty. All right, here we go. It's between these two. All right, one more time. You ready? Rattlesnake. Shark. I can't tell you. You're clapping for both. Some of you are clapping for both. You don't understand the rules. You got to pick one. All right, one more time. I can't tell. Rattlesnake. All right, now all of you are disqualified. You can't clap again. Shark. I don't. Rattlesnake. All right, I think it's rattlesnake. I think it's rattlesnake. All right, give him a hand. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. All right. Man, now that you've been spiritually enriched with meat. Well, you shouldn't eat the milk of the Word. You should eat the meat, right? Isn't that what the, isn't that what the Bible tells us? Hey, turn, turn your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're continuing our series we've called Always. And um, we're, we're picking up in 1 Peter 3. We've had chapter 1, chapter 2, part of chapter 3. And we are this morning uh, jumping uh, at verse 8, verse 8 to 12. It's a shorter section, but really, really rich. So I want to kind of unpack that this morning. I don't know if you've ever noticed uh, this in life, but 
things tend to come in packs. You notice that? Wolves come in packs. <laughs> you know, trouble comes in packs. I don't know if you ever noticed when um, oftentimes in your community, when a baby's born, there'll be three or four babies born in a certain amount of time. Or sometimes when people pass away, there'll be a group of people sort of that'll pass away in a short amount of time. Uh, troubles tend to come in groups. And, you know, it just so happens the week that the washer breaks down is the week that you have a job interview, is the week that your kids get sick, is the week that the car breaks down, is the week that the city shuts your water off because you forgot to pay your bill because your kids are sick. Anybody ever notice? I, you know, you look at those, you say, if I could just space those out. Because, like, I've had times where nothing went wrong for a long time, and then it'll all come at once. How many of you noticed that? Have you noticed that? It's not just me. Okay, good. I'm glad. But, but, but you think any one of these things by themselves wouldn't be a big deal, but you put them in a big clump, and it's just overwhelming. And that's how life happens. It's just kind of random. And so if that concept is understandable to you, you will understand this scripture today because it feels that way. It's just kind of random. Have you ever had one of those times that you're around a really wise person and they say something to you that's really wise and you can tell it's really wise, but you're not wise enough yet yourself to totally understand it? But as the years go by, you look back on it and you say, oh, that's what that meant. I can remember when I had just been a youth pastor for maybe a year, I was talking with an older minister who's a really great gifted teacher and just a wise man. And I can remember we were talking about something. He said, well, I, I can tell you what the issue is. I said, what's the issue? He said, the issue is that person doesn't know their identity in Christ. They don't know, they don't know what that means. They don't know their identity in Christ. They don't know who they are in Jesus. And, and I can just remember thinking, well, you know, I mean, I've heard that before. And I'm sure that's important. But, but after I'd been around the guy for a while, I thought, man, you act like that has something to do with everything. And I'm just not sure it's that important. But can I tell you, as the years have gone by and I've looked back on that, I've seen there's a lot of stuff in life that has to do with your identity in Jesus, with knowing who you are in Christ. It has everything to do with everything. Well, when you read the Bible sometimes... It just seems like some random thoughts have been thrown in there, some random truths. Sometimes the Bible just won't fall into Twitter-sized 140-character statements <laughs> the way that we would like it to because that's easy and fast and simple. So what do you do when you're reading the Bible and you find these random truths and you say, what does that have to do with my life? What does that have to do with what's happening right now? Well, here's what you do. Let the Bible speak for itself. Don't make up stuff. Don't fill in the blanks with your own thoughts. Here's why. Because just like an older, wiser person one day those truths and that wisdom will get clearer to you as you walk this thing out. But it won't happen if you interject, if you, you fill the blank in with your own thoughts. Now, this letter was written to a group of churches in what is modern-day Turkey. Uh, in that part of the world, it was like the Wild West. It was uh, unsettled. A lot of small towns far apart from each other. The believers that this letter went to were, um, were outcast socially. Uh, they, were, they were in the minority culturally. And they were certainly in the minority spiritually. Because most of the people around them wasn't, were not Christians. And what's harder than that fact is that they, they had now begun to be rejected by the people around them and on some level persecuted. So what advice would the Apostle Peter have to give this group of people? We read it in 1 Peter 3. Let's just read the whole section this morning and then we'll unpack it. Verse 8. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. 
On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I don't know how that sounds to you. When I first read it, I thought, I understand what that's saying. I understand that those things are true. But it was almost like reading Proverbs. These are just a list of random truths and I don't really know what that has to do with, you know, anything else. Well, here's the question that Peter was answering when he wrote this letter. How do you live with external pressure? When the external pressures of life are going up on you, how do you live? When struggle or trouble or rejection or persecution, or isolation comes because of your faith. How do you live? This is an important conversation for us Americans to have, uh, particularly American Christians, because for a long time, our culture supported Christianity. The wind was at our back. It, we were encouraged to find faith in God and relationship with Jesus Christ. Now the wind is at our face, and the speed seems to be picking up a little bit. So we face social pressure and cultural values have changed and workplace pressure and politically correct culture that sometimes finds itself in direct opposition with the values of Christianity. Anti-Christian philosophies are uh, fill most of our universities. So most of our future leaders who are being educated in our universities are being educated through a worldview that is anti-Christian and antagonistic to Christianity. So this is very relevant to us. So the question is, how do we live in a society where pressure on Christians is increasing? So if you have something to write with, let me unpack these few verses and give you a few thoughts that uh, the Apostle Peter gave to those people in, in what is now modern-day Turkey. Number one, remember, remember who we are. This is the same idea we talked about two weeks ago when, when we said that this letter was not written to you. It wasn't written to me. It was written to us. And so I worded this point carefully. I didn't want to say remember who you are because you cannot live out the full identity of Christ by yourself. You can't do it alone. You have to live it out inside the context of the community of faith. So this wasn't written to you, it was written to us. So in other words, when the question is asked, who are we? We are a different community that must live in such a way that we can endure the external pressures that come about our faith and come from life on the outside. We've got to live in such a way that we're strong enough to overcome those. So how, how, would, how would we think, think about this today? Don't let the external pressures in your life define you. Let your identity in Christ, in the community of faith, define who you are. Don't be defined by your suffering. Don't be defined by your trouble. Don't be defined by what went wrong. Don't be defined by what someone said about you. Don't be defined by people who don't think, who think Christianity is a religion for your grandmother. Don't be defined by that. Be defined by the Jesus who is inside you and is inside the community of faith. That's where you find your strength and depth and meaning. It's not in a YouTube video where atheists are just bashing to death Christians. That's not where you're going to find your identity. Find your identity in the Jesus. So the church then, what the Apostle Peter is saying to them and would say to us today, the church has to be an oasis 
from the pressure that's in the culture. The church has to be a place of refreshing where we come and are renewed in our faith and strengthened in our faith and encouraged in some of the wounds and marks and divots that have been put in us while we're out in the world as we come into the community of faith and worship and share and have relationship together. Those things are healed and we are refreshed so that we might go back out and do the work that God's called us to do. What does that look like? Well, the Apostle Peter gave us five traits that I just want to quickly look through. He said, be like-minded, sympathetic, love one another, compassionate and humble. So like-minded means when we come together, we have to live in agreement on the most important things. That's what it means to be Christian. That's what it means to be different. If we're worshiping in a life group or we're serving together or we're in another country on a missions trip or, or, or we've gathered together like this on Sunday morning, we have to live different. We have to come together and leave our politics and our opinions at the door and come up underneath the banner of Jesus Christ and be like-minded in those things. Those things are bigger than culture. They're bigger than opinion. They're bigger than politics. Politics has never changed anybody's life. And it's not going to change anybody's life now. So we've got to come into agreement on what those things are. And that's we have to unify on the person of Jesus and walk in agreement there. I can remember when I was in high school... And I'd been a Christian, I don't remember, may, maybe a year, maybe more. And this whole new, it was a whole new life for me. And me and this other guy in one of my classes, we got in a little, a little fight and, you know, crossed the line in the classroom. And so we got sent to the principal's office. Oh, great. Here we go to the principal's office. We're sitting there in front of the principal. He calls us in, sits down. Fortunately, the principal that I had was an incredibly wise and godly man. And he talked to us hard. <laughs> that doesn't always mean, you know, godly and wisdom doesn't always mean weak. He talked to us with love, but he talked to us hard. He said, let me ask you guys a question. What are you thinking? We looked at it's him. What are you thinking? We didn't know what he meant, so we just, you know, you don't answer. because Your answer is going to be wrong. What do you think? You guys... Both are Christians. You guys are both active serving in your churches. And this is how you're going to act? Don't damage Jesus' name. That's what he said to us. Why are you doing harm to Jesus' name? What do your friends think who don't go to church who are sitting there watching this? What do they think? It just, it just like it shell-shocked me. I don't, you know, I don't really think about that. I was thinking about he's wrong. And I'm right and he's wrong. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking about myself. Wasn't thinking about Jesus. Wasn't thinking about the gospel. Wasn't thinking about nobody else. Just thinking about me, I guess. That's the first time anybody ever said anything to me about being like-minded. Never understood that concept till that day. And the damage that happens to those outside the faith when we aren't like-minded and how important it is. He said be sympathetic. In other words, the community of faith has to be a place where we can emotionally connect with someone when we're suffering. He said love one another and be compassionate. These are family uh, terms, family-like relationships. Some translations say have brotherly love for each other. So we've got to be family-like in our relationships and the way that we are welcoming to people. Now, this could be a little bit misleading, but let's just be honest for a second. Not everybody's family is good, right? Not everybody's family's loving. Not everybody came from a loving family. And not everybody's family's friendly, particularly if you're not one of them. You ever been to a family reunion you didn't belong at? And they're looking at you like, why are you eating the potato salad? I've been here for 100 years and I don't know you. And who invited you and why are you here? And you don't belong here? Well, that can't be how the, the community of faith operates. 
In the Hebrew mind, the most important person in every gathering was the alien, the stranger, the foreigner, the new person, the outsider. And here's why. Because they were at the greatest disadvantage because they were new and they didn't know anybody and they didn't know what was going on and they didn't know the protocol and they didn't know the order of things. And so they had to be given special treatment. So in the Hebrew mind, the most important person in the room was the newest was the outsider. And so this is the kind of family the Apostle Peter is saying that can endure the pressure of a society that turns against Christianity. Is you can have family love for each other and special love for those who come from the outside. He also said compassion. It's easy for us to misjudge other people and make a lot of assumptions about their lives, but Christians are called to a life of compassion. So I just want to give you this thought. Be kind because every person you meet is fighting a private battle. that good? Be kind because every person you meet is fighting a private battle. And then he says, be humble. So humility in our culture is seen as a worthless weakness. In other words, it won't help you, it won't advance you, it won't get you anywhere. Now this is a, what the Apostle Peter is trying to tell these Christians and, and what God is telling us through this scripture is, you, if the culture is turning against Christianity, then you have to live different. And that difference will shine. That difference will reveal God to the world. It's a huge contrast. This might be the biggest one. Humility might be of these five traits, the one that's most different from our present culture and contrast in the world. So I don't know if you're uh, familiar with the artist Kanye West. How many of you? You see, yeah, some of you. So since he's a relative of mine, what I thought is that, <laughs> is that I might, it might be okay. Not really. If, if you're new, my name's West. His name's West. Okay, anyway. So I thought it might be okay to quote him. So I pulled the lyrics from one of his songs to see an example of how different humility would stand out in our culture. Here's what the line, a few lines from one of his songs. What if Kanye made a song about Kanye called I Miss the Old Kanye? Man, that would be so Kanye. That's all it was Kanye. We still love Kanye, and I love you like Kanye loves Kanye. As I said, humility will really stand out in our world. Humility makes us different people. But here's the Apostle Peter's thought. It makes us different in that it makes us strong enough to endure the pressure from the outside. When you don't have humility, you tend to crumble. But humility will give you the strength that you need as the family of God to stand against the outside pressure. Richard Dawkins, one of the leading atheists in the world said he doesn't buy the whole Jesus thing. He doesn't buy it. He doesn't buy that this lowly little nobody carpenter from nowhere would be used by God to change the whole world. He said that to him proves that it cannot be true because if God was going to change the whole world, he would use somebody important like a great leader or a king or somebody like that. But that's the exact reason that we believe it. <laughs> that embodies the value of the kingdom because he was humble. God could use him because he was humble. He was strong enough to endure the cross. Because he was humble, he was strong enough to reach down and wash his disciples' feet, even though he created those feet. That's one of the things we value the most. So remember who we are, number two, repay evil with blessing. Now let's just be honest about this for a minute. Nobody in the room so holy that when somebody does something evil to you, your first thought isn't at least sometimes, I want them to feel what they just made me feel. You don't have to raise your hand. I don't want to make anybody lie. They hurt me. I want them to hurt the way I hurt. When? Now. We are, human nature is to repay evil for evil. I heard a story of a lady that went to the doctor, and the doctor said, I hate to tell you this, but you have rabies. And she pulled her phone out and started typing some things really quick. And he said, are you typing out your will? She said, no, I'm making a list of all the people I'm going to bite. <laughs> now that, now that's human nature. 
That's how we feel. If I hurt, I'm going to make you hurt. Why? Because I feel better when I don't hurt by myself. And that's human nature. So there are three levels of living. To return evil for good, that is evil. To return evil for evil, that is human. To return good for evil, that's supernatural. That's Christian. That, that's, that's a whole different way. You want to shine? Bless people that do evil to you. And you will stick out in this world like a bright light. To repay evil with a blessing is the only way to break the cycle of evil. If we just keep doing evil to each other, things are only going to get worse. Someone has to take a risk on forgiveness and blessing. That is good marriage counseling. Because you get inside there and, well, she's going to do this, and if he's going to do that, well, I'm going to do that, and I'm not going to do that, and we're going to do this, and things are going to be different from now, and I'm going to draw a line. And if you just keep repaying evil for evil, you're going to, things are going to get worse. Somebody's got to take a chance. Somebody's got to step out in faith. Somebody's got to risk blessing and forgiving and returning blessing for evil. You, you, look, you may say, I, I know we shouldn't repay evil with evil, but you don't know what I'm going through. You are 100% correct. I have no idea what you're going through. However, I do know what the writer of this book went through, and I do know what the people he wrote to went through. So let me just tell you about that. The apostle Peter was put into prison multiple times for his faith. How many people in the room have been in prison because of your faith? My hand's only up as an example. I don't see anybody. The apostle Peter was crucified upside down for his faith. Church tradition tells us that the apostle Peter's wife was crucified before him. And he had to observe that as she was a martyr for her faith. The people that the apostle Peter wrote to were suffering as outcasts and, and social minorities and cultural minorities and spiritual minorities, and they were enduring some level of rejection and persecution, not to the level that the Apostle Peter faced. Now, let's just be honest about this this morning. For sure, most of us have been in difficult situations about our faith at some time in our life, but... Most likely, the greatest thing we risked losing in that awkward situation was social acceptance, but not anything else, just social standing. Or maybe people have done evil to us, not because we're Christian, but because they're evil. That's probably what we've endured more than anything else. So we're probably tempted to repay evil for evil, most likely in our culture and the way that we communicate. So we think things like this. I'm not going to sit and listen to that. I'd tell them off in a minute. I wouldn't put up with it. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. How, how, how do we talk to and about people who disagree with us? That might be where we're getting the most friction presently in America today as a group of people. Well, how does our culture talk to and about people they disagree with? Let's just think for a minute. I thought of four ways. We attack them personally if we disagree. We shame them when we can. If I see one more post on Facebook about, boom, you know, they showed them. Boy, they embarrassed them. Look how dumb they look. See, they proved them wrong. That's not Christian. We should prove people wrong in private. Not in public if we have to do it. We should do it in private, not in public where there's shame. It's not the job of the Christian to produce shame on another person because we disagree with their philosophy. Or we gossip about them or we undermine them and it's just not Christian. Philippians 2, 14 and 15 says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. You want to shine like a star? Repay evil with blessing. So the question I got for you this morning and I got for myself is, do you shine or do you stink? 
You can't do both. So I thought in our, how would we apply this to us? I don't know. I just thought of something random, like maybe social media. I don't know. I'll just throw that out there. So what I want to do this morning is give you the Ten Commandments of social media. By the way, I, I've posted on my uh, Facebook page this morning this and another article uh, that takes this deeper that you might want to look up. So here's the Ten Commandments of social media. Number one, do not compare yourselves to others. Have you found out that everybody's life looks better on Facebook? Look, they go, I wish I could, when do we, I don't, the, they're always having fun. Look at their life, they, look at all the fun things, look what they're wearing, look where they're going, and look what they're, oh, done that food, look, I never get to eat anything good. They eat peanut butter and crackers all the time, look what they're eating. I never get to go anywhere fun, I used to live in this dumb old house. Right? You compare and you start to become a big victim. Can I, I got news for you? Their life ain't that hot. You don't know the argument they just had before they put that fake smile on and took a picture. They've been throwing down between the shots, I guarantee it. You don't know what they went through to get that, right? And they put it up there. And if you're not careful, it can become a plastic world. Number two, do not add a smiley face to an insult. Called sarcasm. Number three, do not brag about yourself. Number four, do not start a discussion that should happen in person. Number five, do not believe everything you hear. Come on, Jesus. How'd you find that out? It's on Facebook. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Facebook. I got to move on. Number six, do not buy into outrage culture. When you're frustrated, shut the computer off. Thus says the Lord. <laughs> Number seven, do not put on a spiritual show. Oh, look how much I love Jesus. I just want the world to see. Number eight, do not blur boundaries. There are ways and people with whom you ought to and ought not to communicate with uh, on Facebook or social media. Nine, do not gossip. And I'll give you the advice that my principal gave me a long time ago that helped me. Do not hurt the gospel. Why do we give blessing for evil? Well, just because we say in our mind it just doesn't seem fair. Why should they get away with it when we're fighting here struggling to do the right thing? Actually, that answer is given to us in chapter 2 of this letter. Why should we return blessing for evil? He already told us in chapter 2. Here it is, verse 21. To this you were called. You have a calling. Why would God call you to this lifestyle of giving blessing for evil because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Even more than example, listen to this, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. When are they going to get theirs? I can tell you the answer. When God decides that they ought to. And until then, our job is is to serve him with joy and to reach out with blessing to them because it's not our job. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So live healed. Why do we repay evil with good? Because that is what Jesus did for us. He looked at this world, and this world was stuck 
at a dead end of evil and the pain was never going to stop and the suffering was never going to stop and the evil was never going to stop because we just kept repaying evil for evil for evil for evil and somebody had to step into the middle of it and repay blessing for evil and that's what Jesus did for you. When you and I were evil and we were treating God evil, God did not repay that evil with evil. He died for us and repaid it with blessing. And that's why we have to repay evil with good because it's what we've received. So let me give you a definition of grace this morning in that context. Grace is when you treat someone better than they deserve. And that's what Jesus did for you and did for me. He treated us better than we deserve. Remember who you are. Repay evil with blessing and remain on God's side. 1 Peter 3.12 For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. This section ends with a reminder that God sees everything we do. So see, you and I have a choice. If, if, we, if we're a blessing, if we're repaying evil with blessing, this verse says we're on God's side. If we repay evil with evil, if we forget who we are, if we don't live in compassion and humility and sympathy and love for one another and welcoming those who are outside, then we are against God. God is against us. His face is against us. And so this is a microcosm of what we've read through the entire Bible, that on one side is blessing, on the other side is cursing. On one side is life, on the other side is death. And we can choose. <laughs> we actually have the choice. So the next time something bad happens to you, the next time the pressure builds up on your life and you're tempted to cave in or do the wrong thing or repay or set the story straight or fix it all or launch out, remember that's not what you're called to. You have a better calling because you've received a better blessing. And you're called to live out of that blessing. And that older pastor that told me when I was young about how they don't understand who they are in Jesus makes so much more sense to me today than it did when I first heard it. Because it's who we are. Viktor Frankl was a doctor who was imprisoned by the Nazis in World War II. He lived in four uh, prison camps. And uh, while he was in those camps, his parents died, his brother died, his pregnant wife died. And he was one of the few survivors of the, of the Nazi prison camps. And he later wrote a book about his experience called Man's Search for Meaning. And in the book, he talks about how every possible thing had been taken from him. The, the, the Nazi military and government took his house. They took his possessions. They took his, uh, his family. They took his dignity. They took his clothes. And they gave him just an old prison uniform. They shaved his hair. They wiped away every identifying possession and mark that he had. And for many, they stamped a tattoo on them that was a number. They took his name away and referred to him as the number 0085726. Come over here. You're a number. But he said what he learned, and this is in his book, there was one thing they didn't take and there's one thing they could not take. And that was his choice on how he would respond. They couldn't take it. He could only give it. And so he had to decide, how will I respond? It's the only freedom I have left. And he turned his life into a life of service and used his knowledge and expertise to serve the other prisoners that were in the prison camp. Because he wasn't going to be defined by the pressure around him. He was going to be defined by what was in him. Nobody can take your choice on how you respond. 
do not repay evil with evil. Remember who you are. Live from that identity and live a life of blessing. So we've called this series Always. So what's the always today? Always be a blessing. Always. Always be a blessing. You will benefit far more over time than you can imagine if you'll just set your life on being a blessing to those around you and you encounter. As we pray today and close this service, I, I really, uh, as I was praying this morning, what was on my heart were, were the dads and the guys in the room. And could I ask you, could I ask you dads, if you would stand and come here and let me pray with you. Would you come and let me just pray with you? I'd like to end the service that way. And guys, you don't have to be a dad. Just guys, boys, young men. It doesn't matter. Come on, I want to pray with you. Come on, come on up close. Come on. Come on up close. There's guys coming behind you that need some room. Yeah, look at this. How cool is this? Don't tell me men don't serve God. Where? Where? Where do men not serve God? I see a lot of men. Yeah, in the balcony. Come on, we'll wait for you. Well, what an honor it is today to stand with you. Yeah, come on, we'll wait. What an honor. Wow. Hey, look how empty it is out there now. Isn't this cool? Come on. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? I mean, look, look around out there. This is what our lives would be like without these guys. Be a lot worse, wouldn't it? Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> hey, um, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you because we need you. A lot of pressure falling on men in these times. A lot of ways it's become more complicated to understand what it means to be a man. You know, there was a time that grandfather and son and grandson lived a very similar life. But though that's not true anymore, times have changed so fast and not all the changes have been for the better and boy how important it is to have strong faithful wise kind gentle men of faith inside our lives inside our families inside our homes so let me tell you something it means so much to me you could have done anything you wanted on father's day and you could have said in the back of your mind it's my day and i get to do what i want to do and you chose to be here, and I honor that. Uh, it means the world to me that your faith in Jesus and your relationship with God and the family of Christ means so much to you today that you would say, I don't want to be anywhere else, but I want to be here. Boy, I honor that. That doesn't happen everywhere. You know the, uh, the biggest attendance day in church is Christmas, Easter. The third one is Mother's Day. The lowest one's Father's Day. I don't know what our attendance is today, but I can tell you this, it won't be true here. I'll, I'll look it up this week, I'll look it up, and I guarantee you, I've looked it up every year, and I guarantee it's not true here. And there's only one person that can make that happen. It's you. And you did. I'm blessed to be surrounded by men like you. What an honor. So, I want to pray with you. Would you just close your eyes? And I want to bless you. And I want to honor you. And I want to ask you, with nobody looking in the room, this is just me and the guys here. Everybody else, please close your eyes. You're, you're a man today, and you're here. And you say, you know what, if I'm completely honest, I don't know where my faith in Jesus is today. I don't know. I don't know. But today, I'd just like to renew my faith, or I'd like to 
I'd like to follow Jesus. I'd like to be forgiven for some of my sins. I'd like to be in a relationship with Jesus. And I feel like I need to do that today. Boy, I would just honor and applaud that, and I would never do anything to embarrass you. And I'll only ask you to do one thing if you want me to pray with you while we're standing here. All you have to do with everybody else's eyes closed, all you have to do is just look at me. And if you look at me, I'll pray for you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. You just look at me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You just look at me and I'll pray for you. That's all. I want to honor you today. Thank you. That's all I want to do is honor you. Thank you. I'm just going to pray for you. You got a lot of pressure on you and I know you do. It's hard to figure all this out. Thank you. Jesus is here to help you. He's here to help make you strong, faithful man of faith. And you can be that. And if there's just anybody else out there that says, you know, I want to make that commitment today too. Would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you when we pray. If you're out there, you're not up front here. I don't want to forget you because God loves you and He wants to help you today too. Anybody else as we pray? Just lift your hand, you put it back down. Okay. Would you kind of stretch your hand this way toward this special group of people? Lord, I thank you today for every man who opened his eyes and said, I need God's strength and help in my life. Lord, I, I want this church to be a place that men love to, love to come to. I want this church to be a place where men love to be. And Lord, I just pray today that you would forgive and I pray that you would wash away sin and I pray that you'd break bondages and I pray that you would break the things that have traveled along for generation after generation but today they end and so Lord today we speak freedom and we speak peace and we speak life and joy Lord I pray that you would help us to know who we are in you as men what does it look like to be a faithful Christian man in this society in this culture in this time God I pray your blessing and life and strength and wisdom and Lord these men that have reached out to you may you help them renew their faith today may their faith become fresh and strong may their desires begin to change may they long in the middle of the pressure of their life may they long for you may there be an appetite change a desire Lord I pray your blessing on them and I pray that you would give them wisdom they need wisdom and Lord it comes from you and I pray you'd give them grace peace and forgiveness. Lord, we bless them today in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Would you give these guys a great big hand? Thank them for all that they do. Good to have you guys here today. Hey, reach around and shake somebody's hand, or if you know them real well, you can hug them. Let them know you're glad to see them today. God bless you. Thanks for being here today.